0: Welcome to The Muckraking. This is Siegel. And I'm Ida Tarbell. And we're here to talk to you about politics, culture, social justice, science, technology, and all the news that's fit to criticize. Before we begin our first episode, we'd like to talk to you a little bit about sources. Because we're going to be talking about news and things that you're probably hearing about from a lot of different sources. Some more reliable than others. Uh, What we need to
1: consider is finding sources that are factual and unbiased, regardless of your own bias. For example, I have a liberal bias and that may make me um, read things like The Intercept.
0: However, I should cite more primary sources. It's, it's also yeah. important that we see a distinction between biased news and untrue news because there are sites that have a bias. Every site really does have a bias and those are that doesn't make them bad sites and bad news sources. We just need to consider how the bias affects the facts. Right. So we will be using sources. Most of our sources tend to be seen as liberally leaning, such as NPR, but they are also some of the most widely respected news organizations. If you have opinions about our sources, you think we shouldn't be using one, or we should be using one we aren't, please do let us know. You can contact us. Hey, seagull, where can they contact us?
1: Uh, you can contact us on our Twitter at the Muckraking and on our WordPress, themuckraking.wordpress dot com or
0: you can also email us directly each of our emails is on the website our wordpress our wordpress website under the contact us tab and speaking of today's topic which is encryption and online privacy in this political climate our encryption public keys are on the website as well so you can email us securely today Uh. we're going to be discussing what kinds of things you can do to make yourself private, to ensure your privacy online? What kind of things be threatening your privacy and what that has to do with the current political climate? But first we'll
1: begin with an introduction on what encryption is and how it has developed to where it is now. Um, cryptography has existed for thousands of years, codes and code breaking, and how to, how to send secret messages and how to intercept those secret messages has been a problem for many, many, many years. And I think the NSA can break almost anything. Because we we are not aware of all of their resources. And um, certain developments in code breaking are probably far beyond what we think they are. Um, But if the NSA had made a quantum computer, we'd know. Quantum computers have been
0: made. If they made one that they could use for code breaking, we'd know.
1: Simple ones have been made. But But, making an actual functional quantum computer that could be applied to code breaking um, it would uh,
0: we'll get into that more in a few weeks when Siegel talks about quantum computers with a special guest stay tuned
1: Um, in recent years um, code breaking has with the development of asymmetric keys which instead of symmetric keys hey
0: Siegel what's an asymmetric key what's a key at all
1: well, a key is what you use to encrypt or decrypt your code. or your so,
0: For example, you might be using a cipher that was just a single replacement cipher. So you, each, each letter is replaced by a different letter. And you do that with a key, which might be a string of letters or a word that tells you where you're going to start replacing things. But then if somebody else has your key, they can get those letters. And it's hard to get me the key without anybody else being able to get the key. The only way you can securely pass a key
1: in symmetric key cryptography, cryptography is that in person.
0: Yeah, and, and even then, it's hard to ensure your privacy. But regardless of that,
1: um, you don't meet the people you need to send messages to in person. For example, Snowden couldn't exactly approach uh, Glenn Greenwald. Greenwald with his message in person because that would have revealed his identity. But Snowden, with the use of encryption was able to securely communicate with several reporters. However soon is our next topic, so we'll get into that next week. Next week. Tune back in.
0: We'll be happy to see you, although we won't see you.
1: The passing of the key um,
0: has been solved through uh, public key encryption, which means that there are two keys. One key used to encrypt a message and one key used to decrypt a message. So, the key used to encrypt your message is public. Anybody can access it. So they encrypt the message with that key, that key, the message is encrypted, and only you can decrypt it because only you have the private key which decrypts it. The encryption key doesn't decrypt it.
1: It's a clever bit of math. If any of you are interested in it, I would suggest you look up RSA encryption because it's quite very, interesting. Quite interesting. Yes.
0: If you want to find someone's public keys, including mm-hmm. ours or really anyone else's who you think has um, an encrypted email address. There are key servers, such as the MIT key server. So if you look that up, you'll be able to search for public keys and upload your own so you can communicate with people securely. So why do we actually need to send these secret messages?
1: (laughs) If I'm not doing anything wrong, why can't everybody know?
0: Well, who decides what's wrong and what's right? Does the government decide what's wrong and what's right? Trump? Hmm. We are obviously biased, but we have some opinions about that. We will probably get into that
1: both in this episode and in later episodes, because it is rather relevant.
0: There are other nonpartisan reasons to encrypt your code and they have been part of an ongoing debate about whether or not encryption should be legal and what kinds of encryption should be legal.
1: I have a more detailed thing that I'm going to publish on our WordPress.
0: Yeah. Check out an upcoming article by Seagull on our WordPress blog, themuckraking.wordpress.com about the Second Amendment and encryption as a weapon?
1: Whether the restriction
0: of encryption
1: or the fact that the government should or can see all your messages, should that be legal is the question. If we go off the basis of our Constitution, um, the Fourth Amendment is, I think, fairly clearly Um, argument against the government access to your private messages. The Fourth Amendment, if any of you are not familiar with it, is...
0: Protection against search and seizure of your personal effects.
1: Without a warrant.
0: I think we can all agree that communications constitute personal effects, just as back when the Constitution was being written, you might have a collection of letters that you didn't want anyone searching through. We now have emails and
1: text messages. Interpreting the Constitution to apply in modern society is something you should consider when... Looking at the Constitution even if it doesn't state something directly.
0: Because it was meant to be a flexible document, and if we're going to live in a country governed by the Constitution, it has to apply to the situation in which we live.
1: The First Amendment can also be applied even though it's a shakier line. Um, You can can make the argument that if someone is watching you, you're not going to take actions that even though they may not be technically wrong, they still may not be something you want to see. For
0: example, or you want would you pick your nose at a, at a business meeting? Probably not. I would not personally. However, there's no rule against picking your nose. And you might pick your nose when you're in private. That was a really weird example. <laughs>
1: well, just adding a bit of fun.
0: <laughs> We're all about fun here at the muckraking. There have been multiple studies showing this. For example, there was a study where even the possibility that subconsciously you might think someone is watching you influences your behavior. There was a study where people had a, a coffee station where it was on the honor system and the sign with the prices for coffee had little pictures around the border and they did a study where one week the pictures were eyes and one week the pictures were flowers. And even though people reported noticing no different in the sign during those two weeks, the weeks with the eyes, actually it was more than two weeks, during those weeks, the weeks that had the eyes the same amount of coffee was consumed, but the amount of money in the box was much higher than the weeks of the flowers.
1: We need to consider that even though it may seem rather exaggerated or rather, you know, the worst case scenario, we need to consider that it is still relevant and it is still affecting everyone. We also need to consider that the First Amendment gives um, element for change and for progress. Government may have laws that are wrong and even if you're breaking the law, it may be for greater cause. All through history there's been laws that should and have been and... Broken. Broken.
0: And while of course you need to take responsibility for breaking laws, if that's what you're doing, that doesn't make it wrong. We need to consider, in the NSA,
1: FISA, or the...
0: The court created by the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, the FISA court. Well, if you look at it, you can say, Well,
1: while the NSA was doing those things, they weren't technically illegal, we need to consider that... I keep saying we need to consider... Um,
0: Well, we need to do a lot of considering. We do. Um,
1: There's a lot to consider. The government was getting away with what they did because no one besides the government was aware of what they did, meaning that they're not going to make laws against themselves or restricting themselves and their own interests. And the FISA court...
0: ...is supposed to be an outside body that can regulate that and prevent an abuse of power.
1: However, they're supposed to approve or issue warrants for surveillance. 12 out of 35,000 warrants have been rejected in the years that has existed. And an
0: interesting side note, one of those 12 was an investigation into Donald Trump.
1: And his relation to Russia.
0: So, you might consider, we have to consider some more things, we should consider how that relates to a possible abuse of power and corruption in the government.
1: Also, while after the NSA's actions have been exposed, there have been a series of lawsuits and reforms because people are now aware of them and people are saying, hey, this is wrong, you shouldn't be doing this.
0: But the NSA keeps doing it. And as we know from leaks and other things, they're doing it pretty well and pretty often. We also... uh,
1: We also need (laughs) to consider... Additionally, the warrants...
0: <laughs> All things
1: considered, this is NPR. Uh, the warrants that issue aren't for necessarily for terrorists. They're people with a relation to terrorists, or people who are related to people who are related to ter- terrorists. Which people- probably
0: includes you. Or people who visit a terrorist website, or people who are friends with the person who visit a terrorist website. So imagine your little five-year-old... Not your five-year-old. Imagine your 12-year-old daughter is doing a school project on terrorists and she visits a website to do research. That might let, let you, you- Well,
1: no, I was talking about like visiting ISIS's website. But, say your edgy friend.
0: Say your 12-year-old daughter is doing research on ISIS and visits their website. Okay. I would do that if I was researching ISIS, wouldn't you? I would, but- no. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> say you're doing research and you visit ISIS's website. That might put you and your friends and your friends' friends on the NSA's watch list. Is that fair? No. Are you a terrorist because your 12-year-old daughter is doing her research and responsibly doing her school assignments? We're not salty. Nah. Hell no. Okay, so we've talked a lot about communication, such as email, but there's also the subject, similarly to the point about research and ISIS's website, of Web activity. So, what information you look at, where you go, and where you are when you're looking at these things.
1: This is called metadata. For those who are not familiar with the concept,
0: I'm not, talk- I'm not talking about metadata. Okay, almost. I thought you were gonna go there. <laughs> <laughs> we can go there. Let's talk about metadata. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: so metadata is basically the data about the data. When something. Like, for example, the phone call, when you placed that phone call, how long it took, where you were when you placed it. With who was it with?
0: And an example that is often used to explain the significance of metadata is that, say, a young woman phones her boyfriend, then phones an abortion clinic, then phones her mother. You've got an enormous amount of information about her life, possibly more than you'd have if you just intercepted and read the content of one of those messages. Another recent issue related to this is that Google has recently started making their tracking of your activity that they use to make their ads customized to you associated with your name. Um, And what exactly they did, I can read, we can find this in the changes they made to the privacy policy last summer. It used to read, we will not combine double click cookie information with personally identifiable information unless we have your opt in consent. And now it reads Depending on your account settings, your activity on other sites and apps may be associated with your personal information in order to improve Google services and the ads delivered by Google. So last summer, summer 2016, they did make everybody agree to the new privacy settings, but they didn't tell you what they were changing about them. So most of us probably didn't read the whole new privacy settings. No, I know I didn't. They could make me sign away my firstborn child and I probably would. So, that's an issue because that means that Google has a profile of you that probably includes all of your activity linked to your name and the content of all of your emails.
1: Google has a huge I don't want to say monopoly but kind of a monopoly on the internet and the fact that it has so much user data and that now it's now it's compiling this in relation to your name. That's a huge problem. And considering we all trust Google probably way more than we should.
0: Yeah, especially considering all things considered. That's probably a a copyright violation. Uh, Especially considering that Google did cooperate with the NSA in PRISM giving information about their users.
1: To be fair, the NSA kind of forced a lot No,
0: of right. I'm not faulting Google necessarily. I'm just saying that we should be aware. Well, I am, well, I am
1: faulting Google, but um, <laughs> I'm going to say that the fact that Yahoo kind of tried to sue them, yeah. even if the FISA court was Being still assholes. ruled against Yahoo because it's the FISA court, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the fact that they resisted should be at least acknowledged. Yeah,
0: definitely. So, because of that, it's also good to have uh, encrypted web activity, not just communications. So you can do that, you can work towards doing that by downloading something like Tor, which will make your internet incredibly slow, <laughs> like worse than Internet Explorer.
1: But when you're doing things that should be protected, or that you wouldn't want in the government, or, or if you're doing anything that kind of reveals personal information, using a browser that hides your identity.
0: It's a good idea. Yeah. So, Tor will hide your identity. Um, you know, it has its drawbacks. It doesn't support video playback, and it's slow as all heck. But when you need to... When you don't want to give all of your art information to Google and to other companies and to potentially the government, it's a good solution. Yeah. Because, obviously, we have a new government. Or we have a, gov- we have a government that we've had, but we have a new administration. And... there's sort of an unspoken idea that is often used as an argument against encryption, that if you're not doing anything wrong, you shouldn't have anything to hide. But that relies on the idea that we and the government agree about what's right and what's wrong.
1: And And if you consider in history, if people had easy ways to identify things like your race, your religion, I mean... People, but if people had easy ways to identify your beliefs and your and everything about you in a massive database, like think of what Hitler could have done with that, and think what Trump could do with that,
0: which is a little bit frightening. Yeah, because that means that if you do something that the administration potentially decides it's subversive, or just even. Journalists, journalists and activists often are tracked by the NSA
1: Even politicians. I mean especially politicians. Yeah, Obama was even before he was running for president. Yeah, his phone was tapped yeah um, Also speaking of Obama uh, We like Obama, but he was the one that set up this policy that Domestic surveillance is okay and should be done on a mass basis while I'm all for government interference when it's for social welfare this is government surveillance is an overstep because it's not in the name of social welfare
0: it's just in the name of having the information
1: it, it's kind of masquerading as like oh we're gonna um, we're gonna stop terrorists from getting to you but considering that it's never actually stopped a terrorist
0: and considering that Our definition of terrorist is a little bit inherently flawed and I could talk about this for about an hour and a half but we call a lot of things terrorism uh, and we call a lot of other things that are basically on the same scale but the perpetrators are straight white men uh, not terrorism Troubled
1: teen has a mental breakdown
0: Oh man, the poor boy his football scholarship is ruined So yeah, basically I guess what we're saying is that you might not think that you necessarily have a reason to need encryption, but you might, and just as a matter of principle, it's a good thing to have.
1: You might, and by the point you need it, you don't want it to be too late. Especially if you're interested in politics or activism, like at all. Yeah, Like definitely. any sort of activists. especially if you, once you start getting more influence, you're going to be surveilled, and the government is not going to want you to do what you're doing. And you don't want them to have information on you that could be twisted or manipulated or used against you in any way. Right.
0: You can download new PGP and uh, that'll that'll let you encrypt your email. Download TOR so you can encrypt your browsing. Um, and talk to us, email us. Our public keys again are on our WordPress site, themuckraking.wordpress.com, Yeah. as are our email addresses. Um, follow us on Twitter. And coming up, we will have two articles. I'm going to be writing one about sources and what kinds of sources we'll be using, how we feel about different sources, and the difference between bias and irresponsible journalism. And
1: I'm going to be talking about the history of cryptography as a weapon and whether or not it should, it should be or and whether or not it should be protected under the Second Amendment, so, regardless of my other
0: opinions on the Second Amendment, of which you have a few. I have a lot. <laughs> Whoa, you've got opinions. I have a lot of views. It's almost like we have a podcast about opinions. Wow, incredible, crazy. Whose idea was that? Yours. Okay, our next episode next week will be about Edward Snowden.
1: Um, it it will be about both. Currently, there's been a bit of talk about what Russia is going to do with him now that Trump is in power, given Trump's and Russia's relationship. And Snowden's relationship and how Trump has felt about Snowden. Uh, so, those who aren't familiar with the Five Eyes, um, we should. Oh, yeah. It's the US, Great, Great Britain, Britain,
0: New Zealand?
1: New Zealand, Australia, and Canada?
0: Yeah, it's Australia. Canada. Right. Canada. So, these countries work together as surveillance buddies. They're like the bullies who aren't in all the same classes, but because of that, they can bully every single person in your school. Yeah. That was a really bad analogy. Kind of, it was. But, um, one
1: thing they also do, to a certain extent, share data. With each
0: other and about each other.
1: So, the U.S. is, like, for example, or Canada, for example, is not necessarily allowed to do the amount of domestic spying on itself. But it wants to do. But the U.S., has the ability
0: to spy on Canada and then just tell Canada, hey, guess what? We're just going to share this with you because we're nice and we're, we're all pals here.
1: Another thing we should mention is that the US is sharing raw data with Israel, like yeah. unfiltered, yeah, just, which is not something Speaking that we should be which, doing. of which,
0: we should have an episode about that.
1: Oh, yeah. About Israel.
0: I need to do more research into that. I I know you did. I need to do some more thinking into that. Because it's like an
1: issue that I don't want to say a lot on, but I'm pretty sure from what I know, I don't agree with anything that Israel is doing.
0: Yeah. I think I don't have enough information to really fight for an opinion yet, Yeah. but I know that what my gut and all the research I've done is telling me goes against Israel and the United States rule.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: And there are a lot of things that I really need to think more about that we can discuss whenever we do this episode, because I have some interesting things to think about. Yeah. Like, what is a basis for claiming land for your country? Yeah,
1: I haven't done enough research to do a lot of... yeah. Yeah. But...
0: Well, we'll talk about that eventually. We can look forward to that. Sometime. <laughs> in the next... In the next century. Probably sometime in the next few months. Yeah. Hey, let's let's um, tell our one listener some cool things we've been reading recently. Oh, our one listener. Fan. Our one listener, Van, and maybe my mom. <laughs> oh, yeah, book recommendations. So recently I've been reading The Firebrand and the First Lady, which is about Eleanor Roosevelt's relationship with Polly Murray, who was an African-American activist in... The 40s. Yeah. She was an activist and she had a really interesting relationship with Eleanor Roosevelt. And this book explores that through their correspondence and through uh, Roosevelt's column, newspaper column and through a lot of other sources. And it's really interesting. How about you, C?
1: I've been reading a really dense elliptic curve cryptography book over the past <laughs> Is couple they're months. are a nerd. Over the past couple months, it's very, very dense, but it's also really, really cool. I don't remember the title, even though I've looked at it a lot. Um, mostly because the title is something very boring. And but
0: uh, C can tweet that out after we publish this episode, right? I sure will. <laughs> and speaking of which, a book that might be good to check out if it, you aren't a math nerd who can tolerate spending months going through a really dense cryptography book like C is, is the code book, which they loaned me. And I found really interesting and helpful, even though I didn't know much to start with, which is about cryptography, which is obviously relevant to what we talked about today. So it's a good history and present of cryptography that I think a lot of people will find really interesting. So check that out.
1: Yeah, it goes enough into the technical elements that you feel like you understand it, while it still explains the history and the significance of
0: each step. And it's a pretty quick read. Yeah, that too. I wrote it in like a night. Same. I didn't sleep much, but I read the whole thing. Oh, an additional book that you
1: should read maybe before checking out next week's Snowden podcast is Glenn Greenwald's No Place to Hide. I might have a couple opinions on Snowden and the treatment of whistleblowers in our country. Opinions on the government. We're also having a guest next week.
0: Oh, we are having a guest. Yes. Uh, Our guest is going to be Mr. Joseph Palladino. Um, He is a religion and philosophy teacher
1: at a local high at school. At a local high
0: school. And uh, he is very interesting, and we think that you will enjoy talk- enjoy listening to him, and we will definitely enjoy talking to him.
1: Because while I, in particular, have a pretty strong
0: <laughs> opinion, opinion.
1: pro-Snowden, uh, he is more moderate, I think. Yeah. So we'll see who you end up agreeing with.
0: And so we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. And this has been The Muckraking. I'm Ida Tarbell.
1: And I'm Siegel.
0: Check us out online, the muckraking.wordpress.com and at the muckraking on Twitter.